What's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Pure Sports Pod. This is Matt Weirich along with Kevin Haswell on the phone coming at you after a weekend filled with March Madness, some that we could not have expected in any way coming to the tournament. Loyola Chicago is going to the Final Four uh, to be against Michigan. Meanwhile, Villanova top Texas Tech and Kansas beat Duke in an overtime thriller to set up another matchup on the other side of two number one seeds. Kevin, what? How? I don't even know how to react to how crazy this tournament's been. Yeah, it's been awesome. I mean, Loyola Chicago's got to be the story. Uh, they clinched their spot for the Final Four yesterday uh, with a big win over Kansas State. Uh, you know, I, I personally um, don't think this is one of the best Cinderellas of all time because they're coming out of one of the weakest regions. Um, but still, hats off to Loyola Chicago. I mean, it's awesome to see a team. Um, you know, full of transfers and uh, some homegrown guys uh, going to the Final Four. And, you know, I think they have a, a shot to go to the national championship. Uh, you know, Michigan's going to be a tough game. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I mean, a lot of madness. Uh, and then today, Duke's, Duke and Kansas' game was uh, was one for, the, one for the ages. Duke ended up losing by four, but Grayson Allen had a shot at the buzzer. Um, that went in basically twice, uh, rolled out, and then they ended up losing in overtime. So heartbreaker for Duke, but you know, hats, hats off to Kansas. They've been doing this all year. Everyone's been doubting them, uh, saying they can't get certain places, and you know they keep proving people wrong. I mean, they won the Big Twelve regular season, they won the tournament, they won the Big Twelve tournament, and I mean now they're in the Final Four and easily could win a national championship. So you know, hats off to Coach Self and you know what he's done um, with this Jayhawks basketball team. Yeah, I mean, going back to Loyola, going going into this game, a lot of people were talking about how you know these they were playing such close games. They beat Miami by two, Tennessee by one, and Nevada by one, and they were saying you know that's kind of playing with fire. You know, are they going to be able to last outlast a team like Kansas State? And they go in there and they win by what is it, sixteen? I mean, that is making a statement right there. This team is really here. Uh, they belong deep in this tournament. This has not been a fluke as much as some people might have thought. Um, but Michigan is certainly going to be the toughest tournament, uh, the toughest opponent, should I say, um, that they played basically all season. Um, the Wolverines are rolling right now, you know, out, coming out, out of winning the Big Ten Conference um, in the playoffs. And then to come in here, they haven't had, you know, a tough opponent per se. I mean, the highest seed they've played is a sixth seed. Uh, and the lowest is a 14 in the first round. So this is really going to be, you know, not even the highest seed that they've played, but I think the toughest test they've had, certainly Florida State um, coming out of the ACC, was certainly, you know, a, a tough opponent. But I think that Loyola is going to present a new challenge for Michigan. Um, not that, you know, they haven't beaten good teams. I mean, having to beat Michigan State and Purdue in back-to-back games earlier this season, uh, having also topped Ohio State, uh, Wisconsin, and Michigan, again, I mean, this is certainly a team that's been battle-tested, but in terms of the tournament itself, I think Loyola might be the toughest team that they've faced all year, or all tournament. You mean Michigan for Loyola? No, Loyola for saying? Michigan. I'm saying Loyola is a better team than probably what they've faced so far. I mean, Florida State, yes, coming out of the ACC, but, you know, only two seeds higher than Loyola, and I think right now, the way Loyola is playing, this is the toughest team Michigan's faced. I mean, I would say it's the toughest team 
that they played in the tournament, but not in the you know during the regular season. No, no, that that's what I said. Saying? That's what I said during the tournament. Yeah, you know, they Florida State was playing really well. I think you just said that, um, but yeah, I, I definitely think Loyola Chicago um, was underestimated. You know, from the beginning, I know people were picking them to win a couple rounds, but yeah, they're really showcasing that they're one of the best teams in the country. I mean, they just win after win. They uh, they dismantled. Um, they dismantled Kansas State in uh, Elite Eight. I mean, win by 16. Uh, they put the game out of reach um, in the second half. And, I mean, what a story. I mean, it's, it's great to see an 11 seed. I think they were underseeded in the first place. You know, if people had a little more respect for them coming in. Uh, they, you know, maybe an 8 or 7 or 8 seed. Um, but, you know, it's, it's going to be a great Final Four. Uh, who do you have winning the Final Four? I mean, as of right now, it's pretty hard to bet against Villanova. Um, you know, with guys like uh, Jalen Brunson, Michael Bridges, and uh, Eric Pascal. I mean, this is this looks like the deepest team. I, I feel like there's an upset in the works here with Loyola and, and Michigan. Yes, Michigan's rolling. I mean, you know, coming out of that Big Ten tournament, they looked like one of the deepest, like the best teams in the tournament. Um, but I, I, I can't pick against Villanova right now. I feel like we're going to be getting a Loyola Villanova championship, which is just an awesome story. An 11 seed versus a number one. Um, but like, I mean, I've been doubting Kansas all tournament and they keep defying all the odds. Uh, and I'm probably, I'm just doing it again here. Um, but I think Villanova's offense can keep up with Kansas. I mean, this was, this game was 85, 81 between Duke, um, and Kansas and they were just lighting it up from the field. I mean, they scored 39 points in the second half, uh, you know, to come back and, um, after being down three at the half. So I, I, I like this Jayhawks team, but I can't pick against Villanova. I mean, some of these players have been around. They, you know, have won a national championship before. Uh, I like their chances. Yeah, I'm having to disagree with you on half of that. Uh, I think Michigan ends up taking down Loyola Chicago. I mean, it's been a great story uh, for the Ramblers, but the way uh, Mo Wagner is Mo Wagner is playing, um, Abdul Radkins playing. I mean, Jordan Poole. A lot of these guys on Michigan are, you know, just playing out of their minds at this point, uh, and. Coming in, I think they were underseeded. I mean, they won the um, Big Ten tournament. Uh, they showed down the stretch that they're, you know, one of the best teams in the country. Uh, and, you know, while they haven't had uh, the toughest road um, to where they're at, neither has the Loyola Chicago. Um, and, you know, I don't think they've really seen a team as talented as Michigan all year. So, it's going to be a very difficult game, uh, difficult matchup. You know, I think Mo Wagner, you know, provides uh, – a size, um, you know, a play inside, a little stretch four or five um, that will really uh, provide issues for Loyola Chicago. And I, I just don't see them being Michigan. I think, you know, what Michigan's been able to do down the stretch uh, is incredible. And I think they continue, um, they continue it into the national championship. But yeah, I think, you know, we're on the same boat here that at the end of the day, it's hard to pick against Villanova the way they're playing right now. Uh, with Jalen Brunson at, at point guard, I mean, uh, you can't really pick against them. And you know they're very experienced. Uh, they, you know, they're in the final four a couple of years ago. So, you know, it, it'll be interesting. I, I'm excited for next weekend. All right, now that we've gotten to the final four, I mean, obviously UVA was the biggest upset of the entire bracket. I mean, losing by 20 is just insane. But uh, aside from that, looking back now, what do you think is the biggest upset here? in the tournament. I mean, my money's got to be on Arizona losing to Buffalo. 
I mean, you know, despite all the um, you know commotion that was made about Arizona regarding the um, scandal and everything, I mean, this was a such a talented team. Team and with DeAndre Ayton, you know, probably the best player in the country, projected by a lot of um, mock drafts to go number one in the NBA draft this upcoming year. I mean, they looked like they were going to be uh, going deep in the tournament. Yes, they're coming out of the Pac-12, which really wasn't battle-tested, but, you know, the fact that they would just dominated the Pac-12 so much made them at least seem like a contender here, and, and I personally thought they were under-seeded uh, at a number four seed, but, you know, losing to, to Buffalo in the first round, not even really a close game, um, and then Kentucky absolutely blowing Buffalo out of the water the next round really kind of just highlighted how bad of a loss that was for uh, Arizona. Yeah, I, I mean, definitely a tough loss. Uh, probably one of the biggest upsets. Uh, I, you know, Michigan State's loss was pretty bad, too. Um, that, you know, was very surprising, considering, you know, a lot of people uh, picked them to win their national championship. Uh, so I would probably have to go with Michigan State losing um, early on in the second round. But, no, I, I definitely see where you're coming from with the, uh, you know, the Arizona pick because uh, Arizona and UVA were the two hot picks out of that top region um, to go to the Final Four. Uh, and, you know, both of them lost on the same weekend. So, you know, very interesting. But I think, you, you know, the upsets you really got to look at are the teams that people picked to win the national championship. And that's, you know, Arizona, Michigan State, UVA, all those teams um, that people had legitimate, legitimately winning their national championship on their bracket as the biggest upsets. Yeah, and I think the one other team here is UNC losing to Texas A&M in the second round, a seven seed, um, 86-65. I mean, the biggest thing there was UNC got blocked eight times and did not block the Aggies once. Um, we're kind of just dominated in the paint, something we're not really used to seeing um, out of this Tar Heels team. I mean, they've had a lot of big men, uh, good big men in recent years, but uh, and especially Luke May, one of the you know better forwards in college basketball. But for me, you know, I, I still have to go with Arizona. I think yes, an ACC team certainly losing uh, in the second round to a team like the Aggies that really, you know, they were a seven seed, but not a lot of people were talking about them. It was kind of a sexy pick to pick Providence over Texas A&M in that first round there. Um, so not a lot of people were really expecting them to make it to the second round, and here they are. Um, you know, go, losing to Michigan obviously in the round after, but. Uh, I think that was another big pick, too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's been a great March Madness. Uh, but, you know, I think uh, I saw a tournament challenge. Only 550 brackets out of millions um, had the, this Final Four. So that's incredible uh, that anyone had this Final Four. But uh, it's been crazy. And, you know, I think we're both, we can both agree we're uh, pulling for Loyola Chicago down the stretch. Oh, yeah. I mean, I always got to go with the underdogs. Um, you know, they're the most fun. So that'll wrap up our uh, talk here on the Elite Eight. Of course, we will have the games coming up on Saturday between the four teams. So we'll probably talk a little bit about it on Thursday. However, that is also opening day for Major League Baseball. So we will be having lots of predictions, uh, previews type, uh, type stuff. So definitely look out for that. But we'll be talking a little bit March Madness because, of course, how can we not um, with how crazy it has been. So we'll go ahead and move on now uh, to Kyrie Irving, um, who has opted to get surgery and will be out three to six weeks on his ankle. So that kind of opens up the floor for Terry Rozier, um, who you know has been pretty good filling in for Kyrie 
this might affect the Celtics' plans in terms of the playoffs. Um, but Kevin, what do you think is the takeaway here? Are the Celtics really in trouble, or is this, you know, is it going to be okay? Do you think? No, I think the Celtics are in trouble. We'll see uh, how you know how healthy he is. I know this was a very minor procedure on his knee, but you know that's something that's been bothering him down the stretch. And without Kyrie Irving, I mean, this Celtics team is not you know up there um, in the Eastern Conference. I think you know above the best or up there with the best. I mean, they're going to need Kyrie down the stretch um, to be able to you know win some playoff series. Uh, I don't think, you know, they're going to end up being the two seed no matter what, probably. But uh, when it comes to playoff time, if Kyrie Irving's not 100% healthy, I'm very concerned for this Celtics team. I mean, the Cavs, I mean, aren't playing great right now, but the Raptors are on fire. Um, you know, it's going to be very interesting. And they they could easily lose before the Eastern Conference Finals because right now uh, Cleveland's number three and uh, Boston's number two, so they face each other in the Eastern Conference semis. And, I mean, I'm very concerned. I mean, the injuries in the NBA. Um, I, know, I know we're talking about the Celtics right now, but also, you know, uh, Steph Curry was ruled out for round one in the West today. So, you know, a lot of big, big name guys on uh, contenders are are getting hurt, and it, it's going to be very interesting down the stretch. Yeah, see how everything you know comes comes together. The point guards of the two uh, number two seeds are both out for the first round. I mean. Best case scenario, Kyrie's back for the first round, but in all likelihood, he'll probably miss that first series. Um, you know, they're, he's probably aiming to get back by that second one against the Cavs, presumably the Cavs. Um, so they'll be facing the Bucks most likely in that first round. I mean, it might shuffle around a little bit here. The Wizards could fall. The Heat might rise up. Um, but it's looking like one of those teams. It, a Wizards-Celtics first round would be very intriguing, especially if Kyrie's not ready. Um, not sure if the Bucks will be able to pull off a playoff win. Um, you know, Giannis, yes, is, is that team, but I don't think that uh, they have the depth really to compete with Boston, even without Kyrie out. I mean, I really like Terry Roger. I think that he's filled in very well. Um, and the, the Celtics just picked up their 50th win. So even without Kyrie, I mean, it's pretty obvious this is a very good team. Um, but, you know, without Kyrie, as far as going deep in the playoffs, there's no shot they get past the Cavs. Um, even with the Cavs not necessarily um, as dominant as in years past. However, they have just won five straight, so they've definitely you know started to click a little bit, which is scary for the rest of the Eastern Conference. But I, I can't see a, a Kyrie-less uh, Celtics team going deep in the playoffs. Even if Gordon Hayward were to return, um, I don't think that he would be the difference that Kyrie is on this team. Yeah, and you know it's it's going to be interesting because. Beginning of the year, you know, you looked at the Celtics team almost, you know, you penciling them into the Eastern Conference Finals, um, even, you know, maybe the finals with Gordon Hayward on their roster, a healthy Kyrie Irving, uh, Al Horford. I mean, this roster looked really good, and right now, you know, without Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward's still trying to make his way back. Um, some other injuries, uh, more minor injuries that, you know, really plagued them over the last month or so, and, you know, it, it's crazy to see where this team um, could have gone if everyone stayed he- had stayed healthy. Um, and it's, you know, really opened up the Eastern Conference this year, especially, with, you know, the Cavs not playing well. I, you know, I've been trying, you know, I know we had this conversation with James Ferris uh, earlier this year, and but, you know, it, it's coming more, it's becoming more and more apparent that, uh, you know, the Raptors might be able to win this Eastern Conference. 
I mean, honestly, you know, they'll obviously play like the Heat, Bucks, or Wizards in that first game. Um, and I think they play the Bucks or the Heat. They can certainly win. I'm, 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 I just can't. I know the Wizards are playing poorly right now, but John Wall has yet to return, and I just can't think that the Wizards would be an easy out with Wall back. I mean, obviously they've slipped down to the sixth seed, but I don't think that they're in the same. I think they're a league above um, the Bucks and the Heat, and honestly, I think they're above the Pacers too. Yeah, I might put the, the Sixers up there. If they're a sixth seed, then they they get to play LeBron in the first round, so that's a KO real quick for the Wizards. Exactly. Honestly, I'd if I you know were the Wizards, I'd rather be in the seventh spot. Um, to play the Celtics because, you know, having gone seven games last year, you'd think that they, they know the team well enough, to, and especially if Kyrie isn't playing. I mean, you honestly would probably want to lose um, and move down to that seven seed, but you probably wouldn't want to move down to that eight um, with the Raptors, even though they have had the playoff woes in the past. Uh, this, does, this looks like a team that could capitalize on a very weak East. I mean, we're used to seeing LeBron James' team doing the same, but... Uh, with the Raptors playing, having career years out of a few players, uh, this is certainly you know their conference to lose. I, I've been on the Celtics bandwagon all year, um, having watched them very closely, and I want to pick them, but without Kyrie, I certainly can't. Um, and I can't. I'm certainly not picking the Cavs either. Um, you know they might be playing well right now, and they might have LeBron James, um, but I just am not sure that you can pick a team, pull it, you know, pull it apart six players or whatever, and then throw new guys in there midway through the season and expect them to go deep in the playoffs. I mean, I, I can't imagine that being a recipe for success. So we'll have to see, you know, how things go. Uh, but like you said, that is a very intriguing matchup of Cavs-Wizards first round. Um, and while I wouldn't say it'd be an easy out, I would definitely pick the Cavs to win that series. Hey, and I think when, you know, we it's time that we talked about the Philadelphia 76ers. Winners of six in a row have moved all the way up to the four seed um, in the Eastern Conference. They would play the Pacers in the first round um, as of right now, and then they'd play the Raptors in the second round on the Eastern Conference semis. So, you know, I think at this point, we need to have that discussion. Can the Sixers get to the Eastern Conference Finals? I mean, the way they're playing right now, they look like they're the one of the best teams in the conference. So do you think they can do it? Um, I think big men translate very well to the playoffs, and Joel Embiid is one of the best in the league. Um, I, I can't imagine them losing to the Pacers. I I just find it very hard to pick the Pacers to beat anybody um, in the East. I mean, obviously they're not going to be play, paying, playing a team like the Bucks or the Heat, where they might you know have a shot. But you know, with this team, Victor Oladipo um, has been the guy. But outside of him, um, you know, they do have some, some very decent players, but nobody that really stands out to me uh, as a superstar. And I think they're kind of lacking, you know, that kind of player. Um, Darren Collison is a fine point guard, but he's no, he's not even top 10 in my opinion. Um, Sabanis, maybe Miles Turner, that's a pretty good front court, but, uh, and Al Jefferson, of course, but I, I just can't pick this team simply because they don't have a player they can go to at the end of the game. So I certainly would pick the 76ers to win that first round. Um, and then it comes down to, can they beat the Raptors? Um, and, you know, they might match up well uh, down low. I mean, Joel Embiid, obviously, um, is probably going to dominate anybody in the post that he goes against. Valanchusis, uh, you've mentioned, is a little overrated. Um, and I would tend to agree. I think, you know, he's definitely durable, and that certainly helps him out. Um, but, you know, he's not even a great rebounder, only averaging 8.5 per game, um, you know, despite playing the, the most minutes among big men on the team. Uh, I, I don't think that you know this is a team that could necessarily hang around in their 
certainly don't have that you know playoff pedigree to kind of support them. So I think it's honestly a toss-up between the Sixers and the Raptors in terms of who wins that series. I mean, in seven games, anything can happen. Uh, and I, we might just be seeing a Philadelphia 76ers Eastern Conference Finals, which would just absolutely blow my mind because they looked like they were close coming into the year, but I didn't think that they were necessarily contenders just yet. Certainly being able to make their way into the playoffs a little bit, but a four seed, I didn't see that happening at all. Yeah, and you know, right now they're only a game and a half behind the Cavs. Uh, who aren't playing that well um, as of late? Actually, they've won five in a row, but still, you know, <laughs> game and a half back of you know, game game and a half back of the Cleveland. Um, you know, that's not some the end of the world. I think it's it's going to be huge for them uh, to get that four seed, not that five seed, so they get the home court advantage in the first round. Um, but you know, I, I could definitely see a path uh, for the Sixers to the Eastern Conference Finals. It's just you know, I, I don't know. Um, I wouldn't put money on it, but I could see it happening. Yeah, and as for the Wizards, I mean, they just have such an uphill battle. I just don't know where, you know, they have a clear path. Like I said, maybe playing the Celtics if they were the seventh seed, but playing the Cavs in the first round or the Raptors, I feel like is going to be a recipe for disaster. And I mean, this might just be a lost season for the Wizards, having, you know, lost Wall for a majority of it. Um, Bradley Beal might have you know come into his own a little bit here which might be good for long-term success but as far as this year's goes I'm not too optimistic about the Wizards chances Um, their defense is still atrocious one of the worst in the Eastern Conference Um, and their offense good but you know can't necessarily hang around um, with teams like the Raptors or the Cavs who average over 110 points per game yeah definitely I mean it'll be very um, interesting Eastern Conference playoffs. I mean, what you were saying about the Wizards, I mean, I don't see... I mean, they they wouldn't match up well with the Sixers either, so even if they climbed up to number five, I don't... You know, I just don't see that being a good matchup for them. Um, you know, I, I tend to agree with you that the falling to seven uh, and playing the Celtics in the first round might be the best, uh, but if Kyrie's healthy, then that you know that's probably a wash too, so uh, it's tough where the Wizards are at, and you know, the matchups just aren't in their favor. Yeah, well, we have to just wait and see. I mean, there's only you know so much uh, that you can predict at this point. We've got only two weeks left uh, before the end of the season, maybe two and a half. So we're down that final stretch here. We've, we're seeing a lot of teams eliminated. Um, I believe the Knicks were just eliminated the other day. Um, over in the West, we just saw the Kings go down. So, um, you know, this is kind of time for, all right, who are our lottery picks going to be? Uh, and it looks like the Hawks um, and the Suns, Grizzlies. It's just actually kind of funny how um, maybe some of the worst records are actually in the West uh, in terms of the Suns and the Grizzlies. So we may see DeAndre Ayton over in Phoenix next year, um, which, you know, they actually have a pretty young core. Um, you know, having gotten Eric Bledsoe out of there uh, was big for them. So I think the Suns have a future. And if they, you know, getting a lottery pick, you uh, it's going to be good for them. I mean, tanking has obviously been the, the move here. Um, but with Devin Booker, anything is possible. And, and you know, I like Alfred Payton, too. I think he might have fallen off more than we thought he would. Uh, but I think in terms of long-term success, the Suns are setting themselves up pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say, I mean, you can basically say that about any team um, at the bottom of the pack. I mean, they're all, at this point in the NBA, I mean, you watch what the Sixers did with the tanking and how successful it was, and you know a lot of teams are trying to do that. You know, I 
tend to disagree with what you were saying about the Suns. Um, I don't think they're in a great place. I know Devin Booker's a great player, uh, but their coaching situation has been up in the air. Uh, you know, they don't really have talent on their roster other than Devin Booker. They have one good player. Um, Alfred Payton is not good. There's a reason uh, he was traded for end of a second-round pick at the deadline. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's a tough situation, but... Uh, you know, people said the same thing about the Sixers three years ago, and look where they're at now. So uh, things tend to look up when you uh, get multiple and back when you get back to back to back uh, lottery picks. So you know, we'll see how smart their front office is moving forward. But no, you know, uh, Devin Booker has been a bright spot, but you know, it's very dark for the Phoenix Suns at this point. We will see. That's I see what you did there. Uh, dark for the Suns, but um, I don't know. We'll see. I think I think they have you know the makings of what could be a core. Obviously, they have to have a good few drafts the next two years. I mean, in the NBA, your your plan for the future, if you're tanking, you know you can't just be bad one year like in the NFL um, and, and kind of come back from that. You have to kind of build two to three years. And I think you know having a star like Devin Booker. Having a player you can, you know, at least train um, and try and see if you can develop a bit more in Alfred Payton, I think, you know, that's better than nothing because a lot of teams will start, you know, they'll trade all their stars. They're all old. Um, you look at what the Nets did. They had nobody um, in terms of young talent um, once they decided they needed to tank. So I think just where the Suns are in terms of, you know, young players, Payton and Booker, are two guys that they can at least start, you know, looking forward and saying, okay, we have guys that can be part of our nucleus, um, and what can we do from there? Uh, and if they can add DeAndre Ayton to the mix, that could be a dangerous combination in a few years. Anyway, uh, that's going to wrap up our NFL segment, or sorry, NFL, NBA segment. Um, we're going to move over to MLB. I mentioned that we will be talking on our next episode um, about, you know, previewing I wanted to go over a few just spring training injuries and what that means for the team. Um, first up is Justin Turner, uh, who's expected to miss at least a few weeks going into the year. Uh, the Dodgers are hoping that he'll be back you know, within the first month. He opted not to get surgery. Apparently, it wasn't required. Um, so that's at least good news. They're going to have a lot more Logan, Logan Forsythe in the meantime. Kevin, Justin Turner is one of the best players on this Dodgers roster do you see this being, you know, tough for the Dodgers to get out of the gate? I mean, 10 of their first 28 games were against the Giants, who also lost Madison Bumgarner, um, took a liner off his wrist, um, is going to be missing two months. So, you know, they're at least going to be playing a, a pretty bad team by the looks of it. I mean, I, I personally thought the Giants were going to be a little bit better, uh, but having lost Bumgarner, looking at their pitching staff, Jess Samarja's injured right now. I really don't think that they're going to be able to get out of the gate very well either. Um, and having to face the Dodgers 10 times in the first 28 games doesn't help. Um, but back to the Dodgers, where do you think, um, this, what do you think this is going to do? Do you think this gives leeway to the D-backs uh, or Rockies to make a move up the NOS standings? Uh, I think it's too early. So, I mean, with these wrist injuries, guys come back and, you know, sometimes they lose some power. Um, they struggle hitting a little bit more. I think it's, if it lingers on throughout the season, I think this could be a serious problem for the Dodgers. But the thing about baseball is one injury doesn't you know derail a whole season, um, especially you know one hitter. You know, it's a very talented lineup like the Dodgers lineup. I mean, yes, it's you know it's going to be a hole in the middle of the lineup without Justin Turner. Um, but I you know I don't see this being a gigantic issue unless it's a lingering thing that you know 
really holds him back the rest of the year, um, even when he's you know quote unquote healthy and back on the roster. Over in the American League, we have Greg Bird, uh, who is battling a foot injury. is reportedly not sure if he'll be ready for opening day, if not longer. Um, the Yankees obviously have a pretty deep lineup, um, but first base is a position that they really don't have a ton of depth at. Um, they kind of opted not to spend in free agency, a trend that a lot of teams were following. Um, but the Yankees are going to have to roll with possibly Neil Walker moving over to first, um, which stretches them thin in the middle infield. So, Kevin, I mean, like you said, it, you take one player out and it's not a huge deal. You know, having as deep a lineup as they do, um, the Yankees aren't probably too concerned about losing uh, Bird for at least the first you know couple weeks. But uh, at the same time, this does have to shift some guys around, and first base was a problem for them last year. Do you think it could be a problem for them this year if Bird's injury um, proves to be a nagging one? Uh, see, the thing is, he compar- comparatively with Justin Turner, he's, you know, he's not a you know game-changing hitter in the lineup. I mean, they now if this if we were talking about Giancarlo Stanton or Aaron Judge. Um, there'd be a different story, but you know, Greg Bird. You know, we've always seen the potential with his power um, from the left side of the plate, and, that, and that's called great. Um, and I'm sure the Yankees would have loved to see him, you know, develop a little bit more this year. But I don't think this hurts them too much. I like the depth in the lineup, like you like you talked about. And you know, the Yankees already have one of the best lineups in baseball. So you know, taking out one of the worst hitters in their lineup, not not a huge deal. Um, uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, who they plug into that spot in the lineup. But I'm not too worried. Back over in the NL West, Steven Souza has a pectoral strain that's going to have him start the season on the disabled list, um, possibly pushing Gerard Dyson um, to a starting position in the outfield. Maybe Chris Owings. Um, but regardless, the Diamondbacks didn't sign JD Martinez to an extension. Uh, and they really didn't replace his bat. I mean, Steven Souza was supposed to be the guy that kind of comes in um, and replaces it, and him and a bounce-back season from A.J. Pollock might be able to replicate some of that, um, you know, production. But losing Souza for the beginning, um, you know, prevents him from getting off to a, a strong start. Um, and, and if Pollock can't figure things out, I think this could be a major issue for the Diamondbacks here. I mean, the, the obviously competing with the Dodgers is going to be tough. Um, in the NL West, but just competing for a playoff spot in general. I mean, right now the the wild card spots are wide open in the NL. I mean, it could be the D-backs, the Rockies. It could be from the uh, NL Central. It could be the Cardinals or Brewers. We could be seeing the Phillies or the Mets from the NL East. So there are a lot of teams competing for those two slots right now. Uh, and having not gotten a bat in the offseason, I think Sousa's injury right now uh, could prove to be a problem for the Diamondbacks to get started because aside from Goldschmidt, I mean, you know, Jake Lamb is, is a good hitter, um, and, and AJ Pollock having a rebound year would be huge. But aside from Lamb and Goldschmidt, this is not very deep of a lineup. Yeah, no, I, I understand what you're saying. It might not be deep, but they definitely have the name at the top of the lineup uh, with Goldschmidt, Lamb. I, I think AJ Pollock's going to have a, a great bounce back year. Um, and if that's the case, I mean, their lineup's pretty deep uh, when it comes to, you know, top top of the lineup um, type dudes. And, you know, I, I think Steven Souza, you know, we saw the potential with him uh, last year. Uh, he was involved in the Trey Turner trade a couple years ago. Um, so, you know, I, I think 
missing him is going to hurt, but especially you know with their lack of you know depth one through nine. But uh, I don't know. Uh, it it's unfortunate to be in the National League right now with any injuries because it's just going to be so packed down down the stretch of the season uh, to get a playoff spot that you know you can't really afford to be missing guys. It really is. All right. Well, that's going to do it. Uh, for our episode today, thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back on Thursday to discuss some MLB. But in the meantime, don't forget to check us out on Twitter at Pure Sports Net. Like us on Facebook at Pure Sports Network. And go to our website at puresportsnetwork.com. I'm Matt Wyrick. This is Kevin Haswell signing off. Kevin, any final words for the good people? Uh, yeah, let, let's uh, get excited for opening day. I'm excited for our episode on uh, Thursday to go through what we think is going to you know, go down this season, and uh, you know we're only a couple days away, so go baseball. Go baseball. Go Nats. Thank you all so much for listening, and have a good one.